You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. That's right, folks. We are not going to flip out. We are not jumping. We are not finding a, a, a the tallest building to leap. This is a positive podcast and the season ending for the 2017-18 season. I'd like to welcome back, as usual, from right to left, um, from around the globe, Rob, or, or actually from left to right, wherever you're listening from. Uh, let's start off with Rob. Rob, how's it going? I'm all right, buddy. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And Court, Court, how are we doing? I'm doing fine. Good. Always a positive to uh, to hear from you guys again. And uh, always, you know, regardless if this is our last uh, season review program, it's it's always good to talk. So we are going to go to a limited uh, show over the off season. So uh, more or less, these episodes are going to be to be determined. So. But uh, this episode 94 is uh, brought to you by Weekend Warriors Adult Hockey Academy. You can follow them at WW Adult Hockey on Twitter. Uh, they have uh, camps coming up in Lake Tahoe this coming weekend, May 17th to the 20th. Uh, they come back to Buffalo uh, on the East Coast, uh, May 31st to the 3rd. And they come to Boston, Massachusetts from uh, June 7th to the 10th. And uh, if you'd like to get involved with these guys, please contact contact them at 814-673-2000. So uh, we do have a, a, a decent topic list to, to go over, provided by the awesome Rob Tomlin and his um, eagerness to to talk about the Bruins and uh, the season playoffs and, and, and moving forward. So um, thank you for supplying this list, Rob. We, and I've added a couple things, but... I uh, definitely That's appreciate okay. that. I had to rant to someone. I hadn't can we, to can we hear? Can we hear angry Rob voice? Get it up and excited. It, it's kind of the same as yeah. It's just this voice, but inside I'm screaming. <laughs> I should I should have been born in Canada. What can I say? 
I'm very, very laid back. Uh, yeah. I, I don't get angry. Exactly. So, you're a good old Canadian boy. With dual, dual citizen. Heritage. Yeah. yeah, dual citizen, but you know, it's what it is. I was born in the U.S., but, uh, you know, went over to the land of hockey. So unfortunately, we, we I was hoping that this this show would be a po- a very positive one and talking about a third round appearance, but due to last week's game against Tampa Bay Lightning Sunday at three o'clock, that is our recording time. So I postponed this and I was hoping for a better discussion and and moving forward. But it is what it is. I mean, this this Bruins team was a was a a pleasure to watch all year, even from the first part of the season from October to a little part of, of November when it looked like it was doom and gloom and and I mean they turned it around and made a huge run to the playoffs and, and securing a spot basically in March was was absolutely amazing to watch and and they made it to the second round of the playoffs which is it's a goal that they achieved from last season getting pretty much blown out well no it was a seven game series mm-hmm. against Ottawa but with no defense. Yeah, exactly. But so no blowout. Think yeah. Also, also, I've been waiting all season to do this, and because I, I know Rob and I were both can say we were right and you were wrong, because you freaked out in October. You had a little bit of a a little bit of a thing. I did. And we had to be like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, lie. I did. Uh, you know, it's only I, October. But my season prediction was still. Uh, I still go by that. Without minimal moves over the summer and not addressing certain areas that would, you know, propel my thoughts to go to a second round after Ottawa beating us in seven games, I, I was kind of like, oh, oh, crap. You Your know, thoughts this... were like sniper up on a rooftop for a while there. You were a little <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that wasn't that bad. Oh, buddy. <laughs> to be fair, mine was, I said fringe playoff team. First Same here, no, we both, said, yeah. we both said fringe playoff team, but... <clears throat> October was like, you know, the sky had fallen. Oh, yeah. Right. We had to okay. talk you off the ledge. We did. I'm just right. saying. I've been waiting all... We pulled all... you back in. We did. <laughs> okay, so now that you guys called me out... Yeah, we had to. <laughs> this, this is, this is my... the wrap-up episode, you know, gotta do it. This is my recovery for being called out in the calm down. <laughs> oh, there's the beer. I hear it. <laughs> cool beer. I, I'm having a Coke Zero. Mm. Nice. Rob, what are you drinking? I'm... I just finished a coffee. Uh, everyone's expecting tea. <laughs> I, I really was, and I was expecting like a biscuit or some sort of crumpet. And I think that's the angriest my voice has ever got. Are you like, going to the wedding next that. weekend? Are you going to the big wedding next weekend, Rob? Is that is that on your schedule? Oh yeah, it's just down the street. It's like yeah. on the corner. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> we all live on the same street in England. <laughs> no, I, I think honestly, you're going to watch uh, that TV, though, aren't you? No, uh, no. Oh, I think uh, honestly, the Canadians bother more about it than we do. Oh. I'm not gonna lie about that. Oh, my wife watched the whole special on it today on Meghan Markle. The whole yeah, like, like morning, watch the whole special on it. Yeah, I, I honestly don't care. <laughs> I honestly don't care either. Exactly, and that's the way it should be. But still, back to hockey. Right, and well, and speaking England. of and, <laughs> and speaking back of back to Canada. No. Speaking of caring and, and people, um, most of them armchair GMs and coaches, uh, there's, there's this narrative that 
that uh, David Krejci needs a David. Um, I'm sorry, a Nathan Horton type of player. And I, it, it, Rob, you you're the one that brought this topic up, and and I understand what you where you're coming from, but I definitely want to uh, have you roll with this one. Well, the main thing is we saw what he did with David Pasternak two years ago, which was good, but they didn't have a left winger to play with. So they were kind of chucking guys about the lineup. Then you saw what he did with Jake DeBrus this year, who's not a Nathan Horton type guy, but they didn't have a right winger to play with. So my main idea is why don't you break up that first line? I know everyone's just pulled out the knives and guns, but calm down. Uh, break up that first line, let them be the top line power play, but don't let them play five on five, and put David Krejci with both Pasternak and DeBrus. Because I think that line would be insane. I really do. I just think, I'm sick of the whole, oh, well, Milan Lucic was the the next guy, and then they tried bringing another guy in, and then David Krejci played with Louis Eriksson, which was pretty good. Uh, I know Louis Eriksson, didn't he score 30 goals for the Bruins while playing with Krejci? Uh, I just think he needs skilled guys with him more than a guy who bangs bodies around. I just, I, I don't see the need for it anymore. I don't think you need that in your top six. That's a bottom six kind of guy that you need now. So, yeah. All right, people are going to get angry because how about he just wasn't, you know what? The guy, Dave, Jake DeBrus, a fantastic hockey player. Uh, when he had Donato with him, <coughs> fantastic. Maybe it's just him. I'm just... I know he's a very good hockey player, but, you know, he wasn't the only one that was invisible against Tampa. It's just like everybody was saying, you know, they should have they should have won the cup there, the cup this year, it should have been that. You know what, maybe Tampa was just better and we just got to get over it. This team overachieved this year, and I know we're always just trying to find something to find for David Krejci. Well, you know what, he just wants consistency. That's all he's ever asked for. I agree that Pasta probably should. I said it at the beginning of the year. I love Pasta with him. I even like that line when he had Kalharik and uh, Pasta on the same line. It's just, I think Krejci will be fine as long as DeBrus starts on his line next year and he has consistency, just like Marshan and Bergeron have had for forever. You get better when you're consistently playing with the same person. If Krejci has Jake DeBrus with him, I think they'll build chemistry. They were building chemistry, especially in the Toronto series. Krejci actually played a good first round. Everybody's remembering the second round when everybody thinks he didn't play well. Well, guess what? No one played well. Yeah, and and definitely need a, a better supporting role when it comes to scoring. You just can't get it from the first, the top three of Bergeron, Martian, and, and and whoever's on that line. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm also a fan of moving past the knockdown down with Krejci too because I thought I saw great chemistry last year and. And bitter parts of this year on the power play, but uh, it's just, I, I just want him, I, I actually don't care who he plays with, as long as he can be an effective player, and and, and uh, uh, he's a veteran on this team, and he knows what he's doing, um, and he's got three, uh, three more seasons to go on his contract, so I don't see... I don't know, I don't see any movement. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of people that want him gone, but I don't know. Those are you can't, you can't, yeah, but you can't move him. 
Yeah, no, I know, I know, because everybody yeah. forgets about the no trade, and and then they all think that it's so easy that uh, a manager or a coach, uh, preferably a manager, will sit, will sit down with somebody and say, "Listen, can you please waive your no trade? We want to move you." You know, I mean, I just think it's kind of asinine to think that way sometimes. But they don't. The biggest part about David Krejci and and some of the the, the negative stuff about him is he, is his point production and what he gets paid. And I know we've we've dissected this many times on this program this year and last year but if you look at his game he's he adds value there's no doubt he adds value up the middle and as a, as a veteran presence so and on the power play and on the power play you know you, and i don't and, and people get mad i don't care what someone makes yeah, yeah i don't i don't care yeah I, I care what they do on the i don't care what they make i really don't sorry exactly. all these people that ever go tell me oh tuca makes too much or this guy makes too much or bacchus makes too much yeah i don't care yeah, I don't pay a salary. Yes, I go to the games, but you know what? I also don't buy my tickets, so sucks to be me. <laughs> so, but and you know, moving on to the next topic, you just got to go into recently since I mean, pretty much, uh, Tory Crew broke. I, I'm not sure if you. And broke. I just wanted to. I, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just. I'm just so tired of hearing that someone's salary dictates what they do on the ice. Some people are paid differently. I honestly think Bacchus isn't paid to score goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the the Tory Krug uh, trade rumors have uh, really broke out this this uh, this week, uh, especially since the the Bruins got eliminated from the Tampa Bay Lightning in the second round. Um, I I see, I'm a kind of type of person that sees value on both sides of the coin when it comes to players like this. Yes, he's a trade commodity because he does add value to any club in the thirty and the other thirty teams in the league. But he's also a value on the team if he stays. So, and 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 it's always trade rumors are always going to be targeted on their contracts. So if you look at CapFriendly.com, a, a, a player like Tory Krug has nothing hanging over his contract, like a no movement or a no trade. So that is the easiest you know, catalyst to start a topic like this. So, but also to the listeners, if you ever want to know what reporters or the, the masses are trying to think of trades, if you go on capfriendly.com, if you look at <coughs> unrestricted free agents or popular buyouts, that means somebody who's writing an article has tried to buy this player out or trade them. And it shows that people are messing around with that guy's name just to give people ideas. Cause Bacchus is up on the top of the list as a popular buyout. Uh, and that, it's not happen. right, right. But um, an interesting little rumor that I dug up um, came out of a, an Edmonton Oilers inside of Jim Matheson. I'm not sure how close he is with the team. He says it says on his Twitter bio that he's covered the club for 26 years. So, but he says uh, lots of people tossing around Tory Krug for Oscar Oscar Clefbaum trade idea because Krug is more offensive minded but Krug 27 has two years left on his contract and he's until he's a free, our UFA uh, Clefbaum is 25 in July has five years and Krug make one million more on cap hit plus Krug shoots left not right I this this whole thing kind of got me all worked up because it doesn't make sense from an Edmonton Oilers perspective and, and Peter Shirelli, which I can't stand the, general, the gentleman in the first place. But, you know, um, Connor McDavid's about to make a, a, a significant pay raise this summer. He's going from 
thousand dollars to twelve point five million. So you would think that you would want to shed as much salary to make that happen. And and Krug making more money than Clefbaum just doesn't make sense in the movement. So what do you guys think that if if there was a trade to happen for a player like Oscar Clefbaum, which is obviously less on the on the uh, offensive minded people's uh, gauge. Um, do you think this a trade like this could ever happen? And and would that number number one pick for Edmonton, which is actually a tenth in two thousand eighteen, do you think that plays in any role at all with Don Sweeney trying to get a first round pick back? Um, I to be honest, I don't think there's going to be a trade. Like I don't think they need a guy like Clefbaum. Um, like Tory Krug's been one of the best like point producing defensemen this year. Why would you get rid of him? Especially exactly. like for a guy who's twenty five years old and not in the prime of his career yet, you don't technically know what you've got with him. So I don't see that happening. I think it was uh, Fluto that brought this up to begin with, wasn't it? Um, I think he brought it up on Twitter first. But I, they just how can you trade your best point-producing defenseman who's been your best uh, power play quarterback of the last, what, 20 years? How I would do you get rid so. of that guy? Like, who's the last, like, Ray Bork? Is the last defenseman that could power, uh, quarterback a power play like that? If I had to guess without looking, I think you're right. Yeah, so why would you give up? That's a generational player for a certain role. Yeah. Like, I would keep Tory Krug without a doubt. I think if you did trade anyone for a guy like Clefbaum, I think right now you roll the hype train out of town and you send Ryan Donato over. Oof. Because I, I know that's going to kill a lot of fans. I know you're all going, oh, but what if Ryan Donato doesn't <laughs> turn gonna, out to be... And I was like, okay, I agree with that one. No, <laughs> but what if Ryan Donato doesn't turn out to be this top six, six player that was drafted in the fifth round? Yeah, but what happens if he does? You don't cut bait on him that quickly. Oh, no, I, I know you don't. But Especially I'm just for saying... Bomb, a guy who didn't play that well last year. I know he yeah, was but I'm not saying like one for one. This is why I'm saying, like, when you've got a player like Donato, if you don't have room for him in your lineup and you want to trade him, this is the best time to trade a guy like that because everyone's high on him. But wouldn't like, we have him as our... If, if you move past <laughs> down to the second line, wouldn't you move Donato to the first line? I honestly put Donato as your third-line center. Yeah. Play him in his natural role. Give him sheltered minutes on the third line. Like, that's the best option they've got for next season. But I'm just saying, realistic trades, you don't send out a guy who's putting up, who could put up 70 points for you from the blue line. Yeah, and speaking of point production, just to to interrupt you real quick, Rob. In 76 games played, Tori Krug uh, had 59 points, which was 14 goals, 45 assists. He's got two years remaining on a five million dollar contract. Oscar Clefbaum at four point one million, five years left. Played in sixty six games last season. Plus the last two years, or a no trade. Right, and uh, 
uh, scored five goals, 16 assists, 21 points. So as a point production player, I, I wouldn't do it. And, and here's my it. whole thing on this is one thing we do have to take into effect, and I, I was talking about it in the, before, is the expansion draft that possibly, I air quoted there, it's obviously coming, but we have to say possibly coming in the next two years. So there will be a discussion of the three defensemen you take. So obviously you've got Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo. So there's two. So Krug can be that third guy, or he's the guy that you move then. You don't move him now. There's no reason to. There's no issue to move him. Yes, he is not. Um, we don't have a top four <coughs> defense when you really look at it with Krug, Carlo, Chara, and, and McAvoy. Krug technically could be your third line left lefty. But, you know, Clefbaum to Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton and the Toy Krug thing, a lot of that has to do with Peter Shirelli used to being the GM. Yeah. I think that's all just... I just don't see it that Boston's going to be doing a deal with Edmonton. It just it's it's like last year at the trade deadline when everybody was making the rumor of Milan Lucic. Like, come on now, that guy might get bought out this summer for God's sakes. Um, hey, if you're going to get that kind of guy, I just don't see you trading Tory Krug for Clefbaum, and then you're going to need another Tory Krug. And people do not say that Mac Reslick is the uh, the heir apparent because he's not ready. Right. He cannot do, and that was that was evident in the playoffs. When Tory Krug went down, and what happened was Cassidy tried uh, Grizz on the first line power play. And if you noticed, halfway through the shift, he threw McAvoy out there. And once again, I don't even think that's McAvoy's strong point. Tory Krug does that better than almost anybody out there in the NHL. Yeah, so ma- making a switch like that is Cassidy being uh, not very confident. Not, you yeah, know. Grizz was out there. He took him off right away. Then he took off McAvoy, and he threw, he threw Krejci back. So that he was... He was seriously matching lines, but putting the best out there. So it, technically, at that point in time, Grizzlick was not the best in oh, that in that role. But I'm talking, yeah, in the power play, like he had to try and figure out who to put in. So he had Grizz out there, then he threw McAvoy out there, and then he stuck with with Krejci. So out of the two defensemen that people say are the heir apparent on the power play, he went to a forward. <clears throat> And the power play is huge, as we saw in the playoffs. That's besides the first game against Tampa, all the goals came from the power play. So yeah. you can't get rid of a guy like Tory Crew. He was one of the reasons we we lost to Ottawa in the first round last year because we had no power play quarterback. So you're going to get rid of that guy. Um, I, I I wish he was our third line defenseman, and we had acquired Ryan McDonough, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation, right? Yeah. Sure. The thing is. It's exactly the same as the whole Brendan Carlo situation. Like, you lose your top penalty killer. Yeah. Like, I know there's Chara there, but at the moment, Carlo is your best penalty killer. And man, did we miss him. We well, missed him, him big him, time. Him and Chara together, think about it. They could have, like, if you if we saw in the story, Rob, we saw in the playoffs when that four-minute penalty happened, Chara had to stay out there the whole time. Well, usually him and Carlo split that up. And the thing is, I think Carlo is honestly the future of the decor just as much as McAvoy is because Carlo has that shutdown defenseman thing. Like, you need one of those guys come playoff time. I mean, a lot of teams have the McAvoy-type player, um, but a lot of teams that get to the playoffs don't have the Brendan Carlo-type player. So... uh, but with Tory Krug, like I wrote down when I wrote down them uh, 
suggestions for topics today that I would beat a certain someone with a jock strap. <laughs> That's kind of gross, man. <laughs> if, if he went out of town, I'm not joking. It's it's just idiotic to even think that they'd trade him. Because how happy, how happy all... would we that Jake DeBrus didn't get traded? Him, though. Oh yeah. man, I'm so happy. So all happy I didn't listen to those people. Yeah, all Ooh. the rumors for the Tory Krug thing are that it's Tory Krug plus other assets for Clef Bomb. Which is not Tory Krug put sixty points up. How is that not enough to get a guy like Clef Bomb? Well, as, as Jack Edwards said during the playoffs, the fan base is a bunch of spoiled little babies, right? So, yeah. <laughs> well, they are. Right? No, I, I know, I know. I am just repeating what Jack Edwards says. I, I, I just laugh because but it's Jack Edwards. Some, I, should, I should say exactly one of the biggest homers there is. Some <laughs> of the fan base is. They, it's, it's, it's hilarious because CBC throughout the whole playoffs was talking on how important and how amazing Toy Krug was and how he's come into his own as one of being a top defenseman in the league. And we're having conversations about trading him. Yeah, like it's just, it's it's almost as crazy as the Marshan rumors that only lasted a couple of days until people oh, were terrible. You know, people were hit over the head and dragged out into an alley somewhere. But it's it's just crazy. Come on, people, he's not <laughs> going anywhere. But but I wouldn't be surprised if he got traded at the draft next year. I wouldn't be solely based on the expansion draft. Yeah. And if someone else comes along and plays a better role and they want to keep that guy instead of him, then sure, you trade him. Yeah, well, as of right now, you three dudes are McAvoy, Carlo, and Crew. Because Chari, you don't have to protect him. He won't be here. So, I don't know. That's just, that's just my thought. Like, why trade Clefbaum and then you're going to get Clefbaum and you already have McQuaid and Kevin Miller. So now you have – it just makes no sense. Yeah. But, hey, if, if it is what it is. That's just us talking about it, right? You got me all fired up. Good. That's, that's what we need. <laughs> you also said trade Ryan Donato. We need to talk. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry. I could trade Heinen. I could trade Anders Bjork. <laughs> they haven't got as much like hype value as that guy does. Mm. There's no, no way. Sometimes the hype is real. Yeah, but sometimes you also make an absolute hole on a player such as Raycroft for uh, Rask. True. True. Like, yeah. Like, exactly. Goalie's totally they different. It's like Ray Jim Carrey. It, that was that was just Boston getting back with the from that time when they traded for Jim Carrey from Washington. It was just karma. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you know he was so good. <clears throat> uh, speaking of goaltenders, next okay. uh, next on the list of topics is Anton Hudobin wants to stay in Boston. Yeah, for eight years. Good luck. Is that what he said? Yeah, what a nut bar. Oh, he man. Old, right? he, he pulled the Elias Brisgal off right there. I want to stay in the league for eight more years and talk about space and monkeys and tigers. Yeah, but to be fair, Ilya Brizgalov now works for the NHL Network. I know, I know. <laughs> like, he has one of the best jobs around, and he got there just by being an absolute moral. Yeah. Well, the, like I like I said, Toby, two years, bring him back. Yeah, exactly. I, you start to give you like goaltenders some time because they're not ready. No, 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 no. And and I'm not saying that because I you know I watch every Providence Bruins game. I I don't see it, the pipeline ready. Zane McIntyre <laughs> is not the same goaltender as he was 
the year prior to the last season. I think he's regressed. Yes, yeah. exactly. And Vladar will be the starter next year. There's, you're right. There's no real starters in the AHL. They both get equal time, kind of, sort of. One may get four or five more games than the other, but they, they, it, in, develop, in hockey development, especially goaltending, those two need to get equal time in the crease. So do you think Swayman has taken over on the depth chart? When you look at it, you have Vladar being the next as of right now, but Swayman, didn't he look well? Like, he, he might even pass McIntyre. He looked... Real good, but it's just where he is at right now, Court. Oh, he's good. Uh, play, I know. Right, playing as like he just got done with right? his freshman year, in and call at at, at UMaine, and he showed that he can take over a spot for a veteran goaltender and Robert McGovern, which both of those goaltenders, Jeremy Swayman and McGovern, were both invited to the uh, Bruins uh, development camp last summer. So, and. He's been playing. He played well. I just want to see more of him. I know that his attributes are all there, and I know he's been working really hard with um, with new uh, goaltending development coach Mike Dunham and Alfie Michio, uh, which is a goaltending coach at UMaine. So he's really striving to ma- be a really good goaltender. But the depth shot right now for me is a little rough. So definitely Vladar and McIntyre is going to be a second. Then you go Swayman, Kieser. And uh, and I think that's it. And and I still believe that they need to add. I think the draft should be an area that they that they um, gravitate to when it comes to goaltending. And I think we can all agree. Last year, second round, we're not impressed. Right. Yeah. Right. But like me, like court. Uh, I'm sorry. Like Rob and I have discussed in previous podcasts, probably even last season. Like I'd like to see a kid like Stephen Dillon. I mean, he's undrafted. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean he's not good, but he did good for the Niagara Ice Dogs this year, and he has for, for in previous seasons. But the Bruins know what kind of player he ha- he is. Hey, it, I'm still mad we didn't go for Keith Kincaid two years of the uh, last year of the trade deadline. Right. He was like there in New Jersey. Just take him. He was so good. And another goaltender you want to keep your eye on in free agency. If 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 a deal can't be done for Hudobin, Hudobin right now is my priority to be the backup goaltender. Look what he's done. He's happy here. He loves he loves being Tukaras, a backup yeah, and friend. Him on a players friendly, uh, team friendly salary, right. for sure. And if that doesn't happen, if Hudobin wants to t- uh, to test the free agent market and 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 possibly flirt with a starting job and starting money, oh. then I would actually look at a guy like Carter Hutton. I mean, he's young. He's going to come at a cap-friendly deal. And where he's coming from, I know it's St. Louis and so on. St. Louis is a good team. But if he doesn't see a future with them and they don't resign him, he, he's going to test that market. And I think he'd be a good fit in Boston. But that's just me. I smell an article. I know. I got it on the list. I got, go. it on, I got it on my dry erase list of things I, I, to do. I honestly, I, I have no doubt that Hudobin comes back. I really do. I, he's back. He's already in my mind. He's already the backup goalie next year. I'm I'm thinking around 1.5 million. There's his little bit of a raise. Yeah, he's making 1.2 right now. Raise if he didn't uh, fall flat on his face the last six games of the year. Um, I don't care what anybody says. If you look at his last two years, the year before he couldn't win his first 11 games, and then he played. He wins five in a row at the end of the year, and he's all of a sudden you know poos rainbows. And then this year. He starts winning at the beginning of the season, but then can't win at the end of the season. And people are like, oh, he should be the starter. I'm like, come on. It's like they only remember certain games. They block out the rest of them. But he's one of the best backup goalies in the NHL. Yeah. 
and his numbers prove that. Yep. Um, I just he scares me on a on an over and over and over basis. He's like that. You throw the knuckleball pitcher in in baseball, and it just messes with everybody's head. That's what Hudobin is. You throw him in, and he does all these crazy things, like the goalie and slap shot. He's like, whoa, going all over the place. Yeah. And then, it's but just, you put him in the next game, and they're like, yeah, just let him flop, and we'll shoot up top. Yeah, that's that's his main thing. He's very unpredictable, and some teams get frustrated, but other teams just go, okay, so you're telling me I just have to wait a second and then shoot. Okay. Yeah. Who was it at the end of the year where he got lit up with like four, the first four shots went in, and then two uh, had to come in? Oh yeah, uh, I can't I think remember. Washington maybe. Uh, it was on. It was the NBC Wednesday night rivalry game. I know that you know because they're always. It wasn't the Blackhawks, was it? Maybe. Maybe. I, I can't remember. All right, we're gonna take a quick break right now, but then we're gonna uh, play um, audio from um, Don Sweeney and what he had to say at the exit interview. So then we're gonna discuss a little bit about that and um, and what's what the mission is moving forward. So uh, we'll be right back, and, and shortly after that interview, we'll start talking about it. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a ninety percent rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You know, for our hockey club, I think that... uh... Bruce and the coaching staff, uh, the whole group set the the bar for our club right from day one in training camp and as to what they wanted to try and accomplish, uh, the expectations of how we were going to play each and every night. And uh, we certainly had some adversity early on with some injuries and some challenges uh, as some integration of the younger players. Uh, but once we found our footing, uh, I, I thought the group responded really well. And uh, we clearly had a good stretch in the middle of the season. We sort of uh, maybe even reset the bar a little bit for ourselves to, to understand that what we were, were potentially capable of achieving. Uh, we got ourselves in a, in a very strong position. We added some players that we felt uh, would strengthen our hockey club in some areas that we, we felt we could use little additions. Um, we had a disappointing finish because of, of a lot of the reasons why I just, just explained. that we had, we had set the bar for ourselves. Our coaching staff had done a, a really good job. Uh, we felt we were a team that was prepared every night, a resilient group that came back, and, and we just didn't find a way to elevate when we needed to at the most. And, and you give Tampa all the credit in the, in the world. They deserve to move on. Uh, they beat us uh, over the course of a, of a series and, and did maybe some of the smaller things that I think that we had pointed out with our hockey club uh, had done very well in, in the course of the year. So. Steep learning curve uh, for, for guys when you have the opportunity to, to get there and move on. You, you have to value the fact that you just might not get back again. I know a couple of my former teammates in the room here will acknowledge that it's sometimes hard. You know, you, you think you have a team that can get there. You, you want to take a swing at it. You're excited about it. And all of a sudden it's gone. Um, and then you're right back down to the bottom of the hill again, staring at the same hill you just tried to climb. And, and that'll be the challenge for our group going forward to, to recognize that through the course of this summer that... Uh, you know, the work that you just did, learn from it, benefit from it, but uh, you better be prepared for, for the next challenge ahead. What's your thinking on signing some of your uh, free agents, uh, namely the, the two Nashes and Hudobin? Well, obviously our team accomplished a lot um, to get to the 112-point level, so 
ideally you'd like to bring everybody back and think you take another run at it. I don't think that's realistic in a cap environment. Um, we can afford the salaries they're currently at, but some of the guys had very good years, and you expect that to change. So I've had discussions periodically with some of those players, and, and we'll have uh, – with with their representatives going forward here in the next uh, month or so and a couple weeks um but i don't have clarity on on any of the players at this point in time that uh, are in the ufa status but we're, we're going to see clarity and uh you know we've got some players that we think internally will continue to push and, and carve out roles and we'll see how we piece the jigsaw puzzle back together but all great contributors and uh you know in an ideal world you'd like to to entertain bringing them back but i don't know if that's realistic today uh, Don, the, the template going forward from last summer, uh, and it worked well, was going mostly with kids, uh, being very light in the free agent market on July 1. Do you stick to that template now? Uh, you know, uh, maybe light in the UFA, more kids in, and what are the prospects of maybe an impact trade this summer? Well, we're we'll, we'll certainly going to explore everything, Kevin. Uh, you know, we've got meetings uh, we're going to go through from a coaching standpoint uh, uh, pro meetings coming up so we're going to put everything on the table and, and continue to explore any of the areas that we think we can improve our hockey club uh, it's also exploring bringing back some of the guys that we felt were really good fits for our club um, and some of them are pending UFAs uh, from uh, adding you know more uh, younger players or continue to add younger players the player themselves generally dictate whether or not they're ready and uh, we will have other players that will, will want to knock on the door, and whether or not they're able to is no different than Jake this year. You know, we told him the opportunity to, to make our hockey club would be there, but it wasn't given to him. And Ryan Donato won't be given to him. And Anders Bjork coming back healthy won't be given to him. They'll determine whether or not we, you know, where they play in, in, in Bruce's lineup. And if they don't, then where they'll play in, in uh, Jay's lineup. So that's always been its performance. Uh, it's that's just the business and but we're we're committed to them they've all heard you know and the, the younger players in providence and and uh even a jackson Ica, they've all heard that if they're good enough they get an opportunity to play um and, and develop um and then you know it's a matter of whether we can blend things together as we felt we needed to add uh for a playoff push that uh you know you probably can't win just with with the you know with completely a, a lineup riddled with younger guys that have never been through a game seven or situations so we're cognizant of it but we'll, and we'll explore every avenue whether that's a a, a trade or whatever it, it may be all right so don sweeney had some really good interesting points in his ex exit interview in that four minute clip so one thing that was asked about was uh his um his desire to keep the 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 core together and and believe in what he saw last year that got to the second round of the cup i mean the stanley cup playoffs is something that he wants to move forward with and i absolutely agree with that um and i understand that he's interested in also getting that uh, that first round pick back uh, regardless if you think rick nash was a huge mistake at the trade deadline it is what it is but he's uh in a heavy defensive uh, draft, especially in the first round, um, he seems eager to get back there. What are your thoughts, guys? Uh, I think if he finds the right deal and it's a good deal, then sure. But if not, just don't give up anything stupid. That's that's the main thing. Just don't go too overboard when trading for picks. Because you don't want to give up someone who's proven now for a guy that you don't know what's going to happen with. 
Yeah, and most likely it's going to be assets, like developing now, assets. Now, I know, did he specifically say he wanted to get back into the first round? Or he just said he wanted to get another pick? No, he, no, he said I'm, he wanted first. I'm pretty sure it was he talked about I, the first round pick. Yeah, he, I, I still think, and, and this comes from actually someone convincing me, um, Bruins Network on Twitter, the, the, the picks this year, some of the guys in the second round could be first-round draft picks. Oh, yeah. So getting a high second-round pick, is like getting a first round pick and he mentioned a guy like Cloherrick, which right away i was like man i love that kid but at the same time i'm looking at the death chart and i'm like he just got killed by death chart like, yeah that he could net you a second round pick it, i from what sweeney's done and i you know we're all in an agreement that we got to trust him i don't see him trading a high value player to get a first round pick unless he's maybe in a in a in a hockey trade he's sweeney seems to make a lot of hockey trades so if the player they want is available and they don't have to, and you, as you know, the Boston Bruins, they like guys that are off the board. I'm hoping he's just going for a high second round pick and not trading, you know, a Danton Heinen just to get a first round draft pick when you traded to get Rick Nash. It's just, oh, yeah, the- that's the only thing that scares me. If it really is, he's trying to trade somebody to get a first round pick or <clears throat> just posturing. Maybe he's just posturing. Wait, uh, the... The Bruins have the 57th pick in the second round this season. And mm-hmm. then they have Florida's third, the Bruins' regular fourth, the Bruins' regular sixth, and the Bruins' regular seventh. So they missed out on the fifth round, which I believe next season goes to a fourth with the... Is it Tommy Wingles? I believe yeah. it is. No, it wasn't a trade. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Tommy Wingles was, yeah. Yeah, so that moves up, so... Um, yeah, I mean, this is a very defensive heavy, heavy draft and, and uh, people are going to, uh, I'm sorry, teams are going to address that early and where do you actually, this brings me up with a question because it just seems like the Bruins picked the defense every, every first round they get, they did it with Jakobs Borrell in 2015. They did it with Euro Vakanainen in 2017 and 2016 they picked McAvoy and uh, Trent Frederick afterwards. So, it, well, he it, says he picks the best guy in the block on the. No, I, and I absolutely agree with that. Which, I'm, I, I'm not questioning that at all. But is I it, am. I still wanted Rob Thompson, Tom, Rob, Robert Thomas. Yeah, year. right. You wanted me. Well, <laughs> I wanted the lead singer of Matchbox Twenty. It's an inside joke. But he was available. He went to St. Louis. He's going to light it up this year. Yeah, true. But. Um, I believe there's a lot. This, like you said, there's a lot of value in the second round, and and you know, hopefully they pick out first. And, and I, I agree. I really don't want to lose any of these developing assets because there's a lot of things going on uh, uh, behind the scenes that many don't know. I mean, you could trash Zach Senishin all you want, but that kid's progressing very well. Uh, Something's be- got to give, though. We have to admit, like some of these oh, yeah. kids. Oh yeah, you know, they, they it, gotta go. When but it com- when it comes to, to a have. business, you have all these assets, right? Yeah, when it comes to business and you're making the right move for longevity, not to address a need for one year, yeah, you give up what you what you what you obtained in the draft previous in previous years. Those that's just the way you do things. It's, I just don't want to see something give up for a rental. And and I'm sorry, but I think a lot was given up for um, for Rick Nash. I'm just—it's only the first round draft pick. The rest of it is like whatever. No, I know. I know. I'm sorry, Ryan Lindgren. I'm—you guys, everybody can get mad. Whatever. He was so far down on the depth chart, he didn't matter anymore. 
And the way he things throw it. Yeah, the way things would line up if he did make the NHL, the AHL, um, you know, when it comes to cap he space, playing. he wasn't he probably wasn't gonna figure in because everybody's gonna get signed or need to be signed in, in the next year or two. I and mean, I want people to understand that he's a great defenseman. It's just on the depth chart of this hockey club, he just wasn't there. Right. Yeah. It's just I mean, like Anders Bjork loved the kid, but it hits his last shot next year. Yeah. Otherwise, he's an AHL player or traded. If he doesn't 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 play well or doesn't get injured, to be honest, he can't wait all day for this guy. If you were a right-handed defenseman two years ago for the Bruins, they wouldn't have traded you whatsoever. But right now, yeah, they Max just Boy and Carlo. Yeah, they went crazy with the amount of guys that they just went and drafted that's a right-handed defenseman. But well, the guy's on the lefty too. They, they saw the cornerstone in the market because how much have right-handed defensemen gone for? So, I mean, now's the time to offload guys that you don't think are going to be there. So, Speaking of crazy, what is the narrative that this Bruins team, especially <clears throat> in the playoffs, have to get a gritty player? And I'm talking about what you have on the list right now, Rob. And it says, please don't sign Ryan Reeves. Oh, who is that? I don't even know who that is. I, now, listen, let me, let me go off on a little bit because I'm on Twitter an awful lot and, and the Facebook thing. And, I, I, you know, I just kind of read. But everybody, I, just the narrative of you have to get toughness in the playoffs. Like, to me, that says go out and get a tough guy that's going to have a limited minute role. And just to be there to back up your players. And I, I believe in backing up your players when, when the moment strikes. And that should be from every, anybody up and down that bench, regardless of your, your air quote fighting role or heavy game or gritty role. I don't see, I don't see this in the Boston Bruins. People's just got to get the big bad Bruins mentality out of their heads. I mean, I know it's been a long time and everybody, but move on. Ryan Reeves is not an answer. Ryan Reeves is not going to get you into the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't. I just don't get why this is like a constant topic on every discussion. Yeah, but the thing is, with a guy like Ryan Reeves, I've seen so many interviews with him. He is probably the one of the nicest guys off the ice that's meant to be a mean guy on the ice. Uh, but... Don't you don't need that kind of player, and if you do promote from within, you got Anton Bleed down in the AHL. Bam. Like if you want a guy like Ryan Reeves, call up Anton Bleed because he does the job just as well, and the refs don't look at him and go, "That's a guy who's calling for a penalty right there." Well, why do you want that guy anyways? What what part of the Tampa Bay series did they <clears> have <throat> a tough guy out there? Besides, they had a guy like Ryan Callahan that played the role perfectly and. We had that incident, but I'm just, those guys are awesome. You don't need a guy to go out there and punch someone in the face because those guys are useless. Yeah. Sorry. Look at Milan Lucic. The guy's about to get bought out possibly in Edmonton and probably never play again. So if he comes, if, if he gets bought, bought out and people, oh, the amount of people are going to lose their mind. I'm going to, I'm going to just, he's a four point player on on Twitter. Like, Honestly, if that starts happening, I want to know what your Twitter is because, like, the thing, the Ryan Reeves thing, I haven't seen this. Ah, well, the Ryan Reeves thing is uh, a certain 
certain writer in the Boston media that I may have mentioned in that uh, that list of topics. <laughs> oh God, are you serious? If you go read some of his latest articles, you'll see what I'm talking about. Who, but, what's uh, his name? Well, yeah, I think you'll understand. If it's that one guy on the, the NBC Sports thing, I don't follow him on Twitter, so maybe that's why I don't see it anymore. Ah, that's probably why. Yeah, that's that's more of a, I, I don't follow tabloids, so I just can't do it anymore. Right. He's a puppet. I, He's I'm a not, corporate you know puppet. What? You know what? You know what? It, nothing personal to him. And I honestly, and he can say whether he's right or I'm, I'm wrong. I honestly think he doesn't think this way, and it's he's doing this to keep his job. And I commend him for that yeah. because people click on his stuff like it's nobody's business. Right. So um, this is exactly what it is. It's the whole you delve into someone's mentality and what grabs them the most. And you know what? In this and day, if and you're gonna piss off fan base, he needs to get right. his job. So yeah. But during the playoffs, I want everybody to know that CBC and Hockey Night in Canada, and that was the whole thing with Jack Edwards when he was on Sportsnet, God, they made fun of everybody in Boston. And they didn't make fun of them for – sorry, I shouldn't say everybody. Made fun of some fans because I'm a fan of Boston Bruins, but they were making fun of the fact that they dump on Tuca and all that. They – it's it was a laughing stock during the playoffs. The amount of times we dumped on our players. Leaf fans didn't even have to do it. They didn't have to make fun of us. We made fun of ourselves. And and you know I, I hate using this as an excuse, but and it's not. Player injuries are never an excuse, but I, I kind of look at it as warrior type mentality. But um, have you guys seen the list of injuries? Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, I'm just gonna start off. With, I'll, I'll say the name and the injury: Tukarask ankle, Brandon Carlo leg, Nolachari abdomen, David Backus concussion. Brad Marchand, groin, Jake DeBras, shoulder, Patrice Bergeron, groin, Riley Nash, hip, Tori Krug, ankle, Zeno Chara, shoulder, and Anders Bjork, shoulder. So, there's a significant list of people that were battling through uh, injuries, whether it was stemming from the offseason into the playoffs or that's playoff hockey and that's what they got um, you know, that's, 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 like I said, I don't want to use these as excuses because they were out there giving it at all. So, um, but all expected, yeah. most of you all expected to be back by at least September 1st. Yeah. Which, which is and good I know, news. I think the worst one for time wise is Tory Crew because he'll have that boot on for two months. I think that's the worst time frame one. But you got to remember, like you said, uh, Rick Nash concussion-like symptoms. I think it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Riley Nash concussion. Fake David Backus concussion. Yep. Yeah. David Backus concussion. Uh, I think Patrice Bergeron was concussion-like symptoms. Well, I mean concussion-like symptoms, but it ended up not being one. Yeah. But at the same time, that's just as bad. Well, not just as bad, but I mean, it's pretty bad. If you've got concussion-like symptoms, but you don't have a concussion, it must be a pretty bad hit to the head. Yeah, we all know. We all know now that it was that mechanic hit, right? So yeah, yeah. and that guy is a POS, but still, yeah. 
But so, the main thing is, like, they're going to move forward next year, and I think they'll start to take, like, little measures to stop this from happening. Like, giving guys rest before the playoffs, if they're in the picture early on. Like, hopefully they start doing that. See, I'm against the rest, because I think it makes them rusty. Because if you look, McAvoy didn't play anything until... <clears throat> McAvoy was actually invisible against the Leafs and fantastic against the Lightning, but it was almost too little too late. Yeah. That's just my it's just my opinion, and I know we all three of us have played hockey, but I wouldn't want to rest. No. It's it's not like the NBA. Right. But but I do agree with you. a lot of people are saying it. You're you're not the only voice, Rob. So yeah, the the only reason I say the rest is it seems like when we play teams that are on the fringe of the playoffs, like the the wanting to get in there, an injury happens to a Bruins player. But like Carlo, poor Carlo kid, can't even play in the playoffs. Carlo playoff. both years. Uh, Same corner. got injured just before the playoffs last season. It, Every no, defenseman? No, Tory crew. <laughs> no, I <laughs> think got injured in the first round. That's true. Every defenseman. <clears throat> but, that but yeah, Marshan, keep... you could tell he was hurt. Yeah, the end of every season ends up with us playing like three games against teams that are battling to get in. Hey, some fans would say that they didn't show up for those three games anyways. Well, yeah. Um, moving forward, I, w- I wanted to uh, listen to this this uh, audio from Bruce Cassidy and and the trials and tribulations that he went through as a as a first year coach and I found job. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to play this uh, real quick, and we'll be back uh, right after to, to, to discuss about it because he is a fantastic coach, and, and this, this, this organization has something special on him moving forward. So we'll be right back. Yeah, from a coach's perspective, we finished last year um, as a playoff team, lost to Ottawa in the first round, and we wanted to build from that. I think that was the message to the players as they left their exit meetings last year is that we found our way back into the – the playoffs so now once you're in you're a stanley cup contender and we wanted to build off that and we you know decided and talked to the players about creating healthy competition in our lineup and i think we, we you know as donnie pointed out we went into the summer with the plan of being younger and faster and building around our core or adding to our core with younger group and i felt we did that this year we allowed these players the opportunity to be uh, Boston Bruins, and I think some of them certainly met expectations and some went beyond that uh, with our younger group. I think it made us a better team, harder to play against, some of the th- the identity pieces that we wanted to be. Um, we wanted to get back to being a dominant home team. I, I felt we did that during the year. Um, and obviously playing well on the road, but and then the bar was set that most teams, if you can get to 100 points, you're, you're going to be in, in the playoffs. So clearly that's a goal that we, we had in mind to get to, and we exceeded that. So th- those are the positives during the season. And we had some some adversity early on, and I thought our guys battled through that. That's a credit to the veteran players in the room uh, and, a, and a credit to the young guys for stepping up and, and being able to handle that, that limelight and, and the challenge in front of them. So from there, you're into the playoffs. And again, uh, Toronto series, as Donnie said, when you're up 3-1, the, the quicker you can close out a team, the better off it is. Uh, did that affect us in the next round? That Those are always um, good conversations to have because you'll never know. But the Game 7 experience we got to win, I think, was good for our group. 
So that's a positive, and I've, with you guys, you know, we try to dwell on the or, or focus on the positives and build on the things we need to do going forward. So if we're in that position again, then we've got to be mindful of it to close out teams. I think Tampa did that well um, and give them credit. At the end of the day, they, they didn't go our way in the playoff series, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. I'm sure some questions will come up, and we'll, we'll deal with that. But uh, they played their game better than we played ours, and they're advancing. So I wish them luck. Uh, they're a good hockey club. And I think the, the message going out the door with our players yesterday a lot was, uh, like last year, is like, it's not automatic you get back there. Uh, you can look around the league this year and look at Edmonton, Montreal, the Rangers. We can go through some teams. So we have to put the work in the summer to prepare um, to be a, a, a playoff team again next year. And then once we get there, then the idea is to, to go farther and learn from the experience this year. And that's our goal going forward, simply put. Uh, and that's about it in terms of, the, you know, the season wrap-up. What's your process going to be like this offseason to prepare for next? Well, obviously we'll sit down and look at the pieces of our, you know, for our roster with Donnie. That's step one generally at the end of the year and go through where we needed to be better to beat Tampa Bay and to continue to play from there. We'll always look at our systems. Are we current or is it, does it fit our personnel? We went through that last year with our neutral zone. We thought we need to play faster. After talking to players, eliminate plays quicker. And I thought we did a real good job with that this year. It led to a lot of transition for us. It led to a, a, a you know a harder team to play against. That's where a guy like Grizzlich came in handy for us. Um, so that's the that's the second thing we'll do is look at our systems. Are are we playing the right way with the people we have to have the most success? And I thought we did a lot of that this year. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at our D zone now. Are we playing fast enough in D zone? We've had a certain layer mentality for years. A lot of teams are man-to-man. Uh, I like the layers, but maybe we need to tweak that so that we can close on plays quicker to help our center icemen. So that, that was an area of discussion uh, with the coaches. Uh, so that's the process for us in general. Is our system the best one for the most success for the Bruins with the players we anticipate have? So... Um Hearing from Bruce Cassidy in that in that audio clip, I, I was really impressed with with the way that he he presented himself. Um, not only at the podium, but uh, during the season, um, I thought his first year in Boston was an absolute uh, welcome mat for what the organization is trying to do moving forward and and mixing the youth with with the veterans. Um, there's a lot of positives moving forward, and I really really am and in awe about what we saw and i know that the a second round playoff exit is not is tough for everybody listen we're, we're hurting inside but we're not we're not expressing it like people that are going to jump but you know you got to commend this guy and the group and the mission um moving into september's uh training camp uh and 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 nhl training camp moving forward and i can't wait i can't wait till we to start now you know uh, you guys have thoughts on Cassidy and, and, and his thoughts on how to move forward and where the pieces move and, and, and the mentality of if you're good enough, you're going to play. Did I Rob. Was Rob still here? I think I lost him. Ah, you... I didn't even have that pumped up on my screen, so I couldn't tell. Well, I'm going to not have the awkward silence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I obviously I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. Um, 
I, I really do think what he's done with this franchise is uh, this year has, has been fantastic. It was funny when someone was throwing out the stats um, in the earlier this season. Everybody was like, oh, he's playing the kids on like Claude. I was like, well, he kind of has no choice. He's got a lot of kids in the lineup, but he actually wasn't. He wasn't giving them the ice time. But you could see in the playoffs, he rewarded Jake DeBrus in the Tampa series. He played him more. Um, I, I have a funny feeling DeBrusque is going to play in a lot more different situations, and if he can work on his defensive game, he could be a fantastic asset on the second penalty kill, especially if I'm hoping he comes back. If Schaller doesn't come back, they're, they're going to need some other pieces out there to play. Um, but uh, what he's done, if, if, if Nash doesn't come back, I would assume that Donato slides into that spot. Someone mentioned to me on Twitter that he doesn't like playing the right way, and well, I thought he did a fantastic job with Krejci and DeBrusca before. Um, and then we're also going to have the whatever kid makes this team at a training camp that we never thought was going to make the team. Yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about vision, that in a minute. The, his vision and the way he's he's coached this hockey club is, I think, has been great. Wh- who was it? Uh, Bergeron, halfway through the season, he lets us play. Yep. And yep. when you have a guy like him who barely, you think about it, we love him, but he rarely speaks. He, he does at the interviews, but he rarely lets emotion out and saying he lets us play that to me is Bergeron letting emotion out and that's fantastic and the fact that you know this team overachieved this year but as they all said in these exit interviews they felt like there was something special this year yeah so that means they had a lot of faith in their coach Rob before you got cut we got cut off with you and you returned we were talking about Bruce Cassidy and the job that he did and what he said in the audio moving forward did you have any thoughts on um what, what kind of coach he, he brings to the team in his first full season and what the future could look like? I just think he mainly looks at how players play and just, let, like Court said, let them play the game. If you've got offensive talents out there, let them shoot the puck. Let them hold the puck if they're good at holding the puck. And I think that's what he's done. He's come in and said, if you feel like you can pull off this, this move, try it. And you've seen that with Pasternak and how he seems to be deking and dangling everywhere now. He wouldn't have done that under Claude Julien. So I think he's done just a really good job of holding everyone together. Like that, the team seems so tight now and they've got the, the right guys in the right places and the lines seem to gel really well. I mean, who expected that fourth line this season? Right. I didn't. And I hey. think... That's why I want Schaller back. Yeah, and I think that's another way of him. He just let those guys play. You saw that goal from Schaller where he went forehand, backhand, round the guy and then just roofed it. Silky Mets, man. Exactly. Like a, a fourth line from like five years ago, they wouldn't have really done that. I mean, there was the odd exception when Thornton turned into like Phil Kessel and just started sniping, but... And he's been a big, big help on Pasta's game. Yeah. I, I just think Well, Marchand and Bergeron, but still, I think letting him play. Yeah, I, I think with him being in Providence, he got to spend that time with younger guys because you don't get too many veteran presences on the AHL teams anymore. And I think that's good to have a guy like that, where he can put trust in some of the younger guys. And feel like you can trust guys. And like you said, Court, DeBrus going to come along next season. I think he does jump onto that second power, uh, penalty kill. And I think they finally get those two good penalty kill lines of forwards. 
Because, I mean, Bergeron and Marchand is the best penalty killing forwards in the league. Um, I just, then, yeah, I, I think DeBrus, he brings that into his game, and I'm, oh, I'm getting his jersey. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I think, I think next season it'll be him and probably Sean Corelli on the penalty kill on the second line. Do you think Corelli's going to get a big raise or just a tiny raise? Uh, well, now. He played well in the playoffs. Yeah, what's he on now? Like 600k? He's, he's, I, I, I literally just wrote about it. I think he's going to get around like 1. 1.5, 1.3. That's fair. Somewhere somewhere in the Jay Beagle, because yeah. he reminds me a lot of Jay Beagle at Washington, who who's playing well for them in the playoffs right now, but they have same sort of similar stats. Kids got and, wheels. Yeah, he could, he could almost be, um, fill in on that third line spot if, obviously JFK is going to get all the shot in the world to take that spot, or if it's Gerald. But if he can't, Corrali can do it. Right. And I honestly think, like, Corelli's probably going to, in my opinion, get between 1 and 1.2 mil. I think that's his kind of, like, one year at that much money. Like, show me you can cope on this team. And, like, fill in further up the lineup when we need you to. Because he hasn't been this type of player all the time. Like, I remember when he first came over to the Bruins in the trade and I started looking up about the guy and people were like, oh yeah, he's really good, he's a good forechecker but his offensive talent is where it's at. But Absolutely. Yeah, but now look at him, he's just, I think he's adapted to what the Bruins needed of him. I think he came in as more of an offensive guy and he said, well, all the top six is locked up. Let me be a fourth line guy. Let me play a fourth line guy role, and look how he's done. Amazing. So, yeah. Hey, Court. Uh, we are approaching an hour. Do you have time to stay? Or do you want to get out of here? I'm gonna run, guys. Hey, listen. Before you go, I just want to uh, thank you very much for what you've done for the past year and a half. Um, <laughs> you've been an amazing addition to this show, and and I'm glad that you you're staying with us and and moving forward. This has just been. A great experience. Rob, the same thing with you. Uh, Rob, do you have time to stay for just a couple more questions? Yeah, I have time to stay. Awesome. Thanks, Court. I really appreciate it, dude. Yeah, thanks, guys. I, uh, I've i enjoyed every minute of it and uh, look forward to the next show. Absolutely. Like I said, we'll, right. we'll, we'll get together and do some TBDs and we'll figure it out when we're going to get together again. Yep. Awesome. Right, Take care, bud. Bye. See you soon. Um, yeah, I, I, I swear to God, I, I, I'm literally... Just thrilled to have you guys with me on a weekly basis sometimes, and it, it means a lot to sit down and talk some bees, because I, I absolutely love what we do, and, and you know, it is a, it's a labor of love, but it's it's a lot of fun, so. Yeah, well, around here, like around where I live, there's no one I can really talk to about the Bruins, so to have you guys and everyone listening, yeah. I never thought I'd be able to do it where people would actually tune in to listen to and me talk about the Bruins. And we got a tremendous amount of listeners. We've been averaging like, I think it's 1,300 listens per episode for the past 25 episodes. It's crazy. Awesome. And and it's it's awesome. But let's get back to some topics before we close it up. But um, you wanted to talk about the, the Bruins that outperformed everybody. If there was an individual award for this Bruins team in the playoffs, who would it be? And who would who would accept it? Um, the 
the main guy these playoffs. It's it's a split race. You've got David Pasternak and Jade DeBrusque. Like one of those guys takes every amount of award for what's happened in these playoffs. I mean, when they needed it, Jake Dubrus was there, did his job. He was gritty, got into the corners. But also, if it wasn't for David Pasternak and the first line in the first series, them first three, three, four games, I mean, that first line lit it up and got the job done and really closed out that series. So, uh, honestly, I'd give it to Dubrus though. I just think what he's done this year has been insane. I don't think a lot of people saw him sticking on the second line all year long. So yeah. He's been the player of the year overall for me. I'm I'm the same. Um, I was hoping you were going to choose Pasternak so I can I can just go on the DeBrus train. But from what I've seen from Jake DeBrusque, it was the, his importance of playing a full season in Providence the year prior. I think what he got was a lot of organizational um, knowledge. And he wasn't that past an act that came right into the league um, with expectations of sticking around. But as everybody knows, when it pro- um, past an act's rookie season, he did start with the Bruins and then went down to Providence, which is it's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just, I, I, me personally, I like seeing guys go down and do their time down there and, and then jump up and then, you know, because you're ready. Uh, and you've also played that, that one year of minor pro hockey as an affiliate. So uh, definitely Jason Brosk was a surprise. Uh, and the way that Bruce Cassidy used him and believed in what he was doing um, as, as a first-year player, um, I was just absolutely blown away. Um, he brings so much to the table, whether it be offensive skills or grit and uh, a 200-foot game. So definitely looking forward to next season and what he brings because I think it's going to be a big year for him. I don't believe a sophomore jinx uh, will play any key role in his progression moving forward. So um, it's definitely a good choice. Yeah, and if they give him a winger that can help him and create you out, then watch out because I think that line might outdo the first line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other one I wanted to touch on uh, was the the possible players moving up from Providence. And, and maybe uh, a spot is opened up for uh, a player that is from the Canadian <coughs> Juniors. Um, and I'm, I'm actually thinking about Jack Seneca. But if you look at um, catfriendly.com, there are players that are not going to be on this roster next season. Um, I don't see Brian Gianta coming back. I do not see Tommy Wingles coming back. Tim Schaller is up in the air right now, depending on where his value is and who could have that left wing or, or center spot. Uh, Riley Nash, not sure where his future is going to be for a 29-year-old. And, uh, and Rick Nash, I'm definitely not sure uh, if he's coming back or not. And if he does, it would be a kind of a, a hopefully, um, you know, cap-friendly contract. Um, no pun intended because as I'm on the website. But when you're thinking about the center, and, and I, I think Sean Corrali should definitely be re-signed. Um, and, and Tim Schaller, I, I'm not sure about that because of the depth that's coming up. And... And I think that if, if Tim Shallow is not resigned, I think somebody that could fill, and not on the fourth line, 
but move up maybe to the third and then do some shuffling around. But I think a, a player like Trent Frederick has a serious opportunity to make some uh, some waves in, in development camp this summer and rookie camp and training camp in September. So uh, whether he makes it or not, is it, it, I mean, that's totally up to him. He does have NHL uh, caliber um, skills. And, and he did have a, um, a decent time down in Providence in the games he did play and, 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 the, and, the, and the playoffs since being um, ex- uh, since moving over from the collegiate um, level to the American Hockey League in, in spring of this year. So I think Ryan Fitzgerald's another one that could make um, a, a wing spot definitely on the fourth line if they can't. You know, make make moves or, or keep players, uh, but I mean, right now those are the only really. I mean, if you think about Austin Zarnick, that's going to be an uh, organizational uh, decision on him whether you let him walk or you resign him. Um, but if he's not if he's not available, then I think you go uh, to, uh, you navigate towards Frederick and you navigate towards um, uh, Fitzgerald on the wing, but. Yeah. Lots of positives right. moving forward. It's just crazy to think that we've got so many. Uh, like Solaric is another one. He's a versatile forward that can can be searched in on the left side or the right side. Yeah, and honestly, I think out of the guys in Providence, I've probably got four players that have a chance of making this lineup. Oh, I'd love to hear them. Good, a good chance. And I think that's Austin Zarnick as a third-line centre next season. Uh, I think he has all the tools in the world to do it. Uh, and I think Bruce Cassidy is the type of guy to give him that chance. And like you said, you've got Trent Frederick, you've got uh, Forsbacker Carlson. You've got guys down there that can do exactly the same thing. So if you give him a tryout at the beginning, I know they can't wave him. Uh, well, they can't send him down to Providence without waving him because he's got one more game left before he comes waiver eligible. So if he doesn't work out, then you trade him and you get something for him instead of letting him walk because I'm sure another NHL team would take a chance on him, and especially with what's happened with guys like Alexander Koklachev that left our AHL team to go to the KHL. So. When, when you talk about Austin Zarnick... The one thing that I have constantly said that when you look at the depth chart and what's in the NHL right now, I just don't see a fit with him. It, I mean, they could probably keep doing the Jordan Caron contract year by year to keep him on until they figure out if he's actually going to make it to the NHL. But my theory going from like the past two seasons has been, I think a player like Austin Zarnick would thrive better in the NHL with another franchise. And that's unfortunate to say because he's a very skilled forward. He's got good vision, great IQ. He reads the, the, the play up and down the ice very well uh, as an undersized defenseman. I mean, I'm an undersized center. But, yeah. you know, if, if it would he entertain a contract coming back with knowing what's up in in the NHL right now and in and, and lock contracts and, and to play another year in, in Providence. I don't know. That's totally up in the air right now. Um, I, I'd love to see him come back. I, I am a big fan of his talent and what he brings to the club, but as a business and in and, and, and a roster spot, you really got to think about that. And I, I think he does come back 
and I think they do it the same way that they did with Kenny Agostino this season when they brought him in. And you give him around eight hundred and fifty to nine hundred thousand a year, but on a one-way contract. Yeah. And Absolutely. then he knows that he's getting paid, whether he's in the AHL or the NHL. But the unfortunate, Just, the unfortunate thing about that, Rob, is if he gets an NHL contract, he plays with the Bruins to begin with, and then doesn't make it. Then he goes on the on the wave of wire, and if he and if he happens to make it through, then he goes down to Providence. If not, he goes to another team. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, the thing with that is the one way contract puts off other teams for taking him off. Right, right. Um, but you you said it best. Like you've got the whole Frank Petrano thing. He did a lot better once he got to Florida. A lot better. Yeah, um, and some some guys don't fit into certain systems, uh, but I think Austin Zonic would fit in really well with Bruce Cassidy on the NHL Bruins. But uh, after him, I think Jordan Swores is a fourth line guy. Recently signed, signed to yeah yep. signed a two way contract. Uh, I think it was two years. Yes, if I'm correct. Yep. Yeah. So. He'll have one more year on that contract, so um, I'd like to see him maybe on the fourth line um, if they don't re-sign, as Cole calls him, Silky Mitz. Um, so, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I think there's Austin Zarnick, then there's Jaden Schwartz, uh, and then the other one, which is my kind of uh, surprise guy, I would say, is Jesse Gabriel. Really, I know he went back to juniors. And He's playing in the uh, in the one hundredth uh, year <laughs> Mastercard um, Memorial Cup coming up uh, this week. This week, they, uh, Regi- the Regina Pats, where Gabriel's playing, is hosting the uh, the event. Um, what a story about Regina Pats! If you have a chance, do some research on them. They those guys go back ways. They got a long history. And the WHL. They were the one of the most clever teams ever because they heard a tiny little bit of chatter about Jesse Gabriel getting sent down to the uh, to the minors again. Yeah. And it, thought, I know we'll give his team absolutely nothing for his rights because they don't think he's coming back. And look at him now. <laughs> yeah, just so, he, he's recovering from a low, I think it was an upper body or a lower body injury. I'm really not sure about that, but I knew it was some kind of injury. But he will be ready for the games that start. Uh, the round robin tournament starts, I believe, the 18th of May. I could be wrong about that, but uh, it's going to be a very exciting to watch, and I'm definitely going to be paying attention to him and his Regina Pats. Um, um, I think he's one of the forwards that could make it out of camp as a fourth-line guy. I think he did a good job at the start of the season last year. Um, well, this year, sorry. I forget it's... Uh, but, yeah, he did a good job, slowed down, got sent down to the AHL. I think that kind of killed his momentum, made him go into his own head a little bit, doubting himself. Well, he also uh, also went 21 to 20 games without a point. Well, yeah, but... So have other guys. Right. I mean, there's other guys that have been sent down to the AHL that have been 20 goal scorers in the NHL uh, and not done it. Right. Matt <laughs> um, 
And I love Bolesky. I'm a big fan of Bolesky. Oh, I know. I know. He's an amazing guy. You've been pumping those tires for two years now. Yeah, really like that guy. But, um, yeah, Jesse Gabriel, I have a feeling he's going to make an appearance at camp and really impress. I think with what happened with him going back down to juniors will make him want to impress because he can't do that again because he's overage now. So unless he wants to be playing in the ECHL next season, I think, um, yeah, he's going to make a good effort. But after that, the one guy that I I can pick is Zaboral. See, I don't have I, I don't have any defensemen that are, are ready to come up. See, uh, they they, they will they, they can challenge they can challenge Rob. I I give him <laughs> that that credit, but I, I this is the way that the def- defense is structured right now and what could happen during the off season. I don't I don't see any movement uh, from that perspective. See, I have a weird feeling. Um, just remember, Brandon Carlo looked like he was never going to make the team. When he was playing in Tri City in the WHL, I remember this. Exactly, I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. But <laughs> exactly, and I think Zaboros had a good season down in Providence. Yep, I think he's one of those guys that's a he either has a big bang of a night and you hear his name a lot and he's doing a lot of good oh, things. Oh, he's a fierce or hitter. He, or he has a really quiet night but does everything right. Yeah. Like yeah. the the Adam McQuaid type of defending. Yep. Where you don't really hear anything about him, but you can see he's doing a good job if you open your eyes. Good comparison. Um, yeah. And I think he could, like, see a little bit of time, uh, especially if there's an injury. But the Bruins might move a defenseman. Uh, maybe Kevin Miller, maybe... Well, I don't think it'll be Kevin Miller, but maybe Adam McQuaid. Uh, maybe Mike... Grizzlick with how high his stock would be right now. I'm one of those guys where if a guy's had a good year, I look at, well, his stock's really high right now, and is he going to be worth the same amount in two years' time when you're going to want to trade him? So, I mean, there's the option there if yeah. Zaboral's ready. Yeah, and, and so, when, when you talk about the, the defense on the Bruins and, and potentially third year pros in the American Hockey League, uh, the Seattle franchise, the um, expansion draft could also play a big market for a player like Kevin Miller and uh, and Adam McWade. So, I mean, definitely see what happens. Yeah, and also a little extra one just for the hell of it. Uh, Connor Clifton. Yeah, he signed a great um, um Article by uh, BlackAndGoldHockey.com writer Drew Johnson. Uh, he just he joined us recently. Has, has written a couple articles and is a huge asset to our team already. Uh, wrote about him because uh, um, Drew spent a lot of time in in uh, Quinnipiac University uh, covering the team for the hockey writers, and he's now a part of our team. So uh, he brought a lot of knowledge into that article, and um, and Connor Clifton is a good signing. It's a depth move, in my opinion. He will he, he will challenge. Everybody's going to have a chance to challenge in camp. It's just one of those uh, who wants it the most, and 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 who and if the Bruins brass behind the bench and, and they see all these off season um, um, events, uh, they see something in the player, then they, they go with it. I, I'm fully 
behind what decisions they make, whoever it is and whoever makes the roster. But I just wanted to, I want to see it pan out for the positive. I, I just really hate having players get up, called up. Like, like Dante Heinen the year before, not this year. You know, 12, 12 games, no points. I mean, he, I mean, he played well. He just didn't contribute offensively, and he got hammered for it. But then goes down to Providence, spends the rest of his time there, comes back this season and has just an unbelievable season. Towards the end, it was tough in the playoffs, kind of not, not, you know, disappearing act, but whatever. And he's a young kid that's going to move forward and he's going to keep learning. So you can't stop believing in stuff like that. Yeah, and sometimes it's good <clears throat> to give those guys a little taste of the NHL. Oh, Even absolutely. It's like 10 games like that. And yep. if they fail, it, it's up to them to either learn to get better progress as a player and become an NHL player or you choose to fail and you choose to be an NHL player for the rest of your life it, it's the decision they have to make and I think that's what the Bruins do really well with players like that, they give them that little taste and if they fail then they go right we'll go back down work on this, work on that and if you don't then you'll never be back up here again uh, all right, I got one more before we end the show, and I actually have a kind of a, a thing to read. Um, speaking of giving a taste, what about Brad Marchand? Do you think that do you think that what he said in the uh, in the season ending uh, presser and in exit interviews that he will change his game around? Because we've all heard this before in the past with with the hitting and and you know putting himself above the team uh, mentality. Um, Love the player. He's got a great talent. I mean, he plays so well. And he, and he got noticed as a player. He got noticed as a player when he played with Sidney Crosby and all those guys during the World Cup for Canada. At, shortly after that, he got noticed as, wow, this guy's like a top 10 talent in the league. We need him to act like a top 10 talent in the league. And this nonsense that he's doing right now has got to stop. Yeah. And I think... Uh, it was, on that interview there was Bergeron and Chara both spoke about it as well and those guys sounded pissed yeah like, those guys sounded like they'd been beating a dead horse for the last 10 years and they were like right this is your final chance like just shut up and play again exactly I think Bergeron said it best he said when when he doesn't do that stupid stuff he's an elite player in the league and he needs to stop putting his club in jeopardy by doing stuff like this. And that means something when Patrice Bergeron says something like that. Yeah, you know you've done something wrong. That's like having to look your dad in the eyes after you like smash something of his. Like <clears throat> you just you just don't do it. So I think I think he will learn. Uh, I I just hope he comes out and doesn't do anything and he's just amazing. But I don't see it happening. Like right. I said a couple of weeks ago, I really and I think he plays better when he like and antagonizes people. Well, I think well, that's what drives his game. But did you... it's, it's the licking, like the the stupid stuff, the slew foots, stuff like that. It, like that's got to go from his game. The antagonizing bit doesn't. Did you happen to know people? Did you happen to read the players the players journal that he wrote? Or, or that he was a part of, that he said that this is what got me into the NHL and it's hard for me to, to move away from it. Yeah, and I think everyone understands that. Yeah. I think when you've done something for so long to get to where you are, 
um, it's hard to just give up on it and change. And a lot of players around the league can't do it. I mean, I I always bring this guy up, but Zach Ronaldo said that when he came to the Bruins, he wasn't going to do that stupid shit. Yeah, look what happened. He got suspended in the NHL, and the next day he gets suspended in the AHL, which has never been done, by the way. That is, yeah, a, that so is a record. I just think, like, some guys say it, but Brad Marchand has to be that guy that does it. I think from now on he needs to just shut up about it, not talk to the media about it, and just do it. But if you say you're going to do something, do something. And uh, just to, to end the show, um, our season preview, episode 94, I just want to go... Uh, and read just a little bit. It's going to take a little bit uh, just to thank everybody. Uh, definitely got to thank the listeners and supporters uh, this season and seasons prior. You guys have all been great. Uh, thanks to all the great Patreon folks who donate money every episode to help cut the operating costs. Uh, special thanks to all that joined us as special guests on the program. We had media members that cover the Bruins professionally from the ninth floor at TD Garden. Uh, down to the wonderful bloggers producing quality content on the regular. I want to thank Matt Kalman, Mick Collagio, Rhonda McClure, Colin Beswick, Thomas Nystrom, Drew Johnson, and Spencer Fischetta. Also want to thank Josh Bemis for joining our podcast crew and dedicating time and efforts in our second hour Bruins prospect discussions. He was a solid addition, and I, I can't wait to get him uh, next season uh, for the whole year. Uh, also, got to mention uh, this week's winner of our first Patreon Rewards giveaway is Mark Volabek of Halifax, Nova Scotia. So, congrats, Mark. And if you want to get involved in this uh, rewards program where every episode we give away a prize. So, if you want to gain access to our Patreon Rewards giveaway, please go to patreon.com slash black, the letter N, gold hockey podcast and donate $1 per episode uh, to win BNG official gear and items from advertisingpartnerfanatics.com. I uh, also have to give a huge thanks to the Black and Gold Productions writing team. We have 18 members, and you guys do a great amount of work, and, and everybody's really loving what we produce. So uh, keep up the awesome work, and I can't wait to, to uh, bring this whole thing to a next level next season. And uh, all the folks that bought our merch, um, you can buy our official merchandise at bngshop.bigcartel.com. That has been a huge asset to help cutting us cut the cost of, of uh, operating on a, on a weekly basis. So uh, thank you, everybody, for everything. Um, Rob, uh, like I said to, to uh, Court earlier, um, thank you very much for all the time that you've been with us. Um, you've been with me for, what, two years now? Yeah, two, two full seasons. Two full or, seasons. Well, just over one and a half, I think, I started just before the season started. Well, regardless, I mean, the women love the voice. They love hearing you. Uh, you're a great <laughs> asset to the team. Drop a lot of knowledge from 3,000 miles away. And uh, I can't thank you enough for for being there and, and joining us on, on, a, on a weekly basis to talk about Bruins. So it's been amazing. It's been an amazing ride. And We've got 94 episodes in the books now, and we're over 90,000 listens. Um, we just, we've just been moving up and up the charts uh, on a weekly basis, so I, I really can't thank you enough for being such a part of this and, and 
bringing us to a level and along with court i mean you guys have really brought this this show up to a a whole new level so i want to thank you for that look from me and court as well thank you for everything you do you edit the show you organize everything whilst organizing the page so thank you very much for everything you do i i love it and like i said it's a labor of love and and I'm just determined to make everything that we do that much better, regardless of opinion. It's just, it's something that's fun and it keeps me going and keeps me out of trouble. So <laughs> I enjoy it, even though I get in trouble sometimes when I'm sitting here doing the podcast. It's it doesn't matter. It's always it's always good to sit here and talk with good friends on a weekly basis. So with that, we're going to end episode 94 and uh, end the 2017 season preview and. Uh, we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll, we might come back and do uh, a draft um, episode and free agency episode and then definitely ramp it up uh, early September for the 2018-19 season. So please stay tuned. And uh, again, if you guys want to get involved, uh, just send me a, a, a message on Twitter. Um, we're, we're, all three of us are on Twitter and, and the whole gang of writers are on Twitter too. So please follow them too. So please enjoy your summer. Be safe. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at courtlalonde, and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.